have it on. And Miss Amy's back there too. Thank you so much for having our kids. Well, before we begin today on the message, I want to say just a couple of things. Again, as Jerry mentioned, as, as you guys were arriving, we have a lot of visitors. Thanks to our visitors for being here for uh, celebrating our youth inquires. And then also our friends from Wheeler Mission, a lot of the guys, some of you guys had transportation issues, came here late. We want to welcome you and want to thank you for coming and stay for brunch. We told them there's a lot of people coming today. There's a lot of brunch food, so make sure everybody stay for brunch. So thank you for being here. Well, I wanted to uh, say before I begin our message today, just a couple of uh, personal things. Um, as Jerry mentioned, and uh, <clears throat> as Lisa mentioned in the prayer, um, today begins a sabbatical time for me. And I'm really uh, excited about that. It's a little bit like Christmas for me. Uh, today is Christmas, and I'm getting to open the gift. So I'm going to hurry through the sermon so I can get to it faster. No, I'm not going to do that. <clears throat> but uh, it's a real gift to me and to my family uh, to have four months off. It almost seems surreal to have that time. But it's not only a grant that we received, that the church received uh, from the Lilly Endowment and Christian Theological Seminary, <clears throat> but it's also the time away. And you as the church body are allowing me to have that time off. So it's time for rest and reflection and refreshment uh, for me and for my family. So thank you so much. <clears throat> the grant does provide some money to support the all-church retreat. You can sign up today for the all-church retreat. So it helps underwrite part of that retreat, which is wonderful for the church. And then it also provides some things for me. So you don't have to look at it now, but on the inside of the bulletin, there's some things that we're going to be doing and how you might pray for me and my family while we're away. Uh, as our kids get out of school in a couple of weeks, we're going to go to Israel uh, with some great tour guides in June. We'll be back for a couple of weeks, and then in July, we're going to go out west, North Dakota, Montana, uh, Wyoming, and Colorado, and that'll be three weeks in July, and then some time for reading and rest and getting the kids back to school later in the summer. So what a gift. Um, I can't say thank you enough and, and appreciate it so much, and Please do pray for me and my family. I will be thinking of you and praying for you, even though I will not be here. So uh, I'll be thinking of you. <clears throat> we have a special Sunday. It is a Sunday, as Jerry mentioned, it's Pentecost Sunday. It's a day to celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit, the new church, and on this day, our covenant children, as we did at the first hour with our third graders receiving new Bibles, and then today, our youth inquirers. <clears throat> Pentecost means 50. It's 50 days after Easter and Passover. It's just seven weeks after the resurrection. And so at the time in the Bible, it was a Jewish festival called the Feast of Weeks. <clears throat> Excuse me. Kristen, would you mind maybe give me a little cup of water or someone if that could? That'd be great. <clears throat> there was an international audience in Jerusalem to witness the miracle of the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today and what that means for us as well, to be able to speak the language of our friends and neighbors as Peter and the disciples spoke the language of the people there. And our scripture today comes from Mark 12, which has been our passage all along about loving your neighbors, and then from Acts chapter 2. So this is God's word from Mark 12. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important what answer Jesus is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. 
The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And then the second chapter of Acts. This is a long passage. We're going to break it into a couple of parts. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native languages? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia. Thank you. Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, he raised his voice, and he addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Now, if we stop there for a moment, we say sometimes the Bible's not funny, but this is funny, right? I mean, Peter's having to say, wait a minute, these guys are not drunk. It's only nine in the morning, and we move on. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Peter shares some more from the Old Testament, and then he finishes with these statements here. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Most loving God, we give you thanks for this day, and we pray now that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. All right, so we're still talking about neighbors today, loving our neighbors, and today we're specifically talking about 
speaking their language. So we chose this passage out of Acts chapter 2 because it talks about uh, the disciples speaking the language of the people of their native language. So there's all these different people in Jerusalem, and they can now understand the gospel in their own language. It's a miracle through the Holy Spirit. So we also need to learn how to speak the language of our neighbors and learn about kind of what words we can say. What are things that we can do um, to reach our neighbors, to reach our friends for Christ as well? So I thought of this week some things we'd like for you to say. Actually, these are some things we'd like you not to say if you're reaching out to your actual neighbors, your literal neighbors, and bringing them to Christ. So here's a couple of things not to say. So if you're going to go knock on your neighbor's door, don't say, God has called me to convert non-believers. Therefore, I'm visiting you today. Okay, don't say that. All right. Or this. Come to the great banquet. Now, I can't tell you anything about it. It's a secret. It's not a cult. But it's really very, very secret. So please come to the great banquet. Okay, just an aside for a minute. We love the great banquet. I'm a big part of it. Um, we would love for you to come to the great banquet. So tell people a little bit about it. Say, hey. There's 15 talks. You sit at a table and discuss the talks. You eat a lot of great food. You don't sleep very well, okay, because you're sleeping in a church, right? But it's a lot of fun. It's a very meaningful weekend with God. Use your own language to tell people about the Great Banquet if you invite them. Speak their language. Or how about this? How about some theological words? Come to church. This week we're studying predestination and justification and sanctification and its relation to different theories of the atonement. Okay, with some folks that might work, maybe most it wouldn't, but for this finally, next week we're studying pre-trib and post-trib rapture and the abomination that leads to desolation. So that's a good way to get your friends and neighbors to come to church. Okay, maybe not. So we want to find out how we can better speak the language of those around us. And really this passage, I believe, is about um, two things and, and two people, really. It's God the Holy Spirit and it's us. It's God, the Holy Spirit, and the disciples. And then when we translate it to today, it's God and us. It's God with us. It's God working through us and in us through his Holy Spirit. That's what it's about. It's the Holy Spirit coming down onto the disciples, the Holy Spirit who's the third person of the Trinity. It's God's Spirit. And Jesus said he would send his Spirit to the disciples. So if they were listening well, they heard him say this. It's back in John 14 that when he left, and he would be leaving sometime, that he would send his Holy Spirit to be with them. And now he does. And then he empowers the disciples through his Spirit to allow them to speak uh, the language of the people there. Now, God's people, God's disciples, had to be ready for this. They had to be available because their lives were greatly disrupted by the Holy Spirit coming to them, coming to them on this day. They had to be available for that as we need to be as well. Are we available for our lives to be disrupted or even just interrupted as God comes to us? We've talked a lot about time when we're, we're uh, trying to reach our neighbors or love our neighbors. And if we don't have time, if we don't make time, even a little bit of time on the margins, then we don't have time to be interrupted by our neighbors. We don't have to, time to be disrupted by God's spirit. So we need to make time for that. Well, the disciples, and especially uh, uh, Peter who speaks and all the disciples who were there, I think there were at least three things they were on this day. They were faithful, available, and teachable. And this is something I learned from a friend of mine in ministry years ago. He used to say this a lot. 
They were faithful, available, and teachable. Now, he liked to use the acronym FAT when he thought of that, F-A-T. So I was like, eh, I don't know about that. So what about if we say available, teachable, and faithful, ATF, alcohol, alcohol tobacco, and firearms. Okay, no, okay. <laughs> Let's not do ATF because we're going to bring that into the church. We don't want that. All right. Let's just stick with faithful, available, and teachable. How were the disciples faithful? Well, they stayed in Jerusalem. Um, again, Again, it's just seven weeks after the death and resurrection of Jesus, but they're faithful. They're persevering. They're staying there. They're watching for what uh, God is doing. And then they're available. They're waiting. It says they're waiting, I think, I believe, with some expectation, waiting with expectation for what God will do. There's other places in Acts that says they were very prayerful. So they're prayerfully waiting on God and waiting on his spirit, God's spirit, to show up. So they're available. And then they're teachable. They're teachable. They've listened to Jesus' teaching. They've followed his instructions. They've been trained to go and make disciples. Sometimes they're good at it. Sometimes not so much. But they're teachable. And now Peter is using what he has learned to tell others about Jesus, what we read in that long passage in Acts chapter 2, in the language that the people can understand. So God speaks through Peter, and he speaks through us too. Now here's something I think you'll find is good news. All of us are not called to be people, at least most of us, are not called to be people who are going to have to speak to several thousand people at one time about Jesus, right? Okay. It says 3,000 people came to know Christ today, which was an incredible miracle. But most of you, I would guess almost all of you, maybe not me, we're, we're probably never going to be called to speak to 3,000 more people and to get up and to share our testimony with them. If you are, that's great. And I'm sure God will equip you. But we all need to be able to speak in some ways about our faith, at least to one other person, maybe to one neighbor, to one friend, to one coworker, someone that God is calling you to speak to. All of us are called to speak, and so we need to be ready. And so here's some things that we feel like are good things which will help us to speak the language of our neighbors. Find out what you have in common with your neighbors. Find out what you have in common. What are their likes? What are their dislikes? What are your neighbors excited about? Learn things about them. You know, do they get excited about sports, their children, their grandchildren? What do they like to do in their spare time? Where do they like to go on vacation? Find things in common to learn about your neighbors. And then the way you do this is to listen. Ask questions and listen for their answers and then remember their answers. Now, I said it earlier today, I'm going to say it again. Jerry, sometimes when he's up here, I and mean, if you're visitors, you may not know this, but when he's up here, he likes to pick on me a little bit, so it's my chance to pick on him a little bit today, right? I got the chance, right? Actually, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to lift him up just a little bit. All right. Jerry likes to talk, right? He likes to talk, and he's good at talking. He's a good, he's a good preacher. That's a gift that we have for our church. But something you may not know, if you don't get to spend time one-on-one -on -one with Jerry, is Jerry's a really good listener. And something I've learned from getting to share one-on-one -on -one time with him is Jerry likes to ask a lot of questions. And then he asks a lot of questions about you, what's going on in your life, what have you learned from this experience, what's happening uh, with you, and then he remembers your answers and he can follow up on those later. And I think that's a real gift. And it's been an example to me that we first need to listen to others, ask them about themselves. What are they like? What's going on with them? And it's a way we can learn about our neighbors and people close to us and people maybe not close, close to us um, so that we can uh, know them better and know their story. 
Which leads me to my third part is story. Everyone likes stories. The Bible's a lot of stories. This Acts chapter 2 passage is really a story of God at work. And so in stories, um, when you listen, you find common ground with other people, you're learning what their story is. And then you know what your story is. What are the things that you're passionate about, you're interested in? How has God intersected with your life and disrupted your life? And then to weave in God's story. So it can be as simple as their story and your story and God's story. And finding ways in speaking your own language to weave those things together. Now, in telling your story, again, I don't think you always have to have a testimony in mind or two or three minute testimony. I think that's great if you can, if you can share how you came to Christ and what God's doing in your life now, but it may be even simpler if you get to share some of the testimony of the church, the testimony of the church. What, am I, what do I mean by that? When you share your story, think about what's going on here. Maybe you heard something that was a really great story that Jerry shared or someone else shared about what's happening at church, that there's a blood drive coming up if someone's interested in that. There's things going on here that you can share about. Are you involved in a home group? Have you served recently? Um, is, uh, has your family been on a short-term mission trip? Did your kids go to VBS? All these things are ways that you can uh, take the church's story, what's happening here, and weave it into your story and then share it um, with other people, which leads us to inviting and including. So we need to listen to others. We need to learn their language. We need to uh, listen well. We need to share stories, their story, your story, and God's story and then to invite and include. So sometimes it's hard to share uh, your testimony. At the very least, and I'm going to ask you and challenge you to do this in this next week or this next couple of months, to invite and include. And I thought about this week. I said, well, when's I, the, the pastor needs to be an example of this, right? Well, one of the things that my family's gotten to do over the last couple of years, and if you were here um, several Sundays ago, I had... Uh, Jacob and Lexia, my oldest two kids up here, share about a mission trip we went on to Mexico. And one of the things uh, Claire and I have found easy to do, because we love going there so much, is to tell people about it. We tell people about our trip to Mexico and what happened there and how we got to share Jesus with people there. And then we've invited friends to go. We've invited several families here from ZPC. Some haven't been able to go. Some have been able to go. And so you'll probably get an invitation for next spring break to go to Mexico. But we're passionate about it. We enjoy it. It involves our faith and our family. It involves us. And we find it easy to talk about. And then we're able to invite and include people into that. Well, I think, guys, we have a great church. And I'm biased, okay? But I think we have a great church. I think we have a lot of opportunities to invite and include people into our church life. And so we listed some. We brainstormed some. Here are some things you can invite or include someone just in the next couple of months. On June 2nd, there's a Summer's Here celebration. I think this is really neat because it's very strategic. We have Noah's Ark, which meets in our church Monday through Friday. We have the food pantry where people come here to receive food on Thursday evenings and Friday mornings. So on a Thursday, June 2nd, in early June, we're having a Summer's Here celebration. Um, we're going to have some bounce houses. There's going to be dinner. Uh, you can just come. You can meet some of our neighbors from Noah's Ark who are coming that day to pick up their kids around five o'clock, meet some of our friends who are coming to the food pantry, or invite some of your neighbors and come for a free dinner. It's a good time to do that. There's other things we can invite people to. I've heard lots of you say you invite your friends with kids to VBS, or moms inviting their friends to mothers of preschoolers, which is MOPS. 
I talked to John Graybill, our high school director, who said some of uh, his students have invited friends to go on high school caravan or with Calvin to Great Escape. Our ZPC men's have designed three events this summer. There's some cards out at the Welcome Center. You can invite uh, a friend to that. All church retreat, it's the first week to sign up this week. There's a table in the gathering space. You don't have to be a member of ZPC to go to the all church retreat. Invite someone to that. Second Half Adventures, they do a great job of inviting people to the Tuesday lunches or the bus trips. Great banquet, we mentioned that. Your home group, if you're involved in a home group. People love to serve. So invite someone maybe to uh, IHN, which is Interfaith Hospitality Network, where we host homeless families here uh, in the month of June here at our church. It's an easy way and it's a really good way to serve or in just invite them to church on a Sunday morning. And when you invite them some to something, if you can at all, Make it to an event that you're coming to, too, so you can carpool together or you can meet them at the door and make people feel welcome. And that's a way to share the testimony of the church. We want to share our faith um, through many ways, by listening to our neighbors, uh, by finding our voice, by speaking the language, our own words, our own language, uh, by loving our neighbors, by telling them God's story and your story, finding out about their story and find where those things intersect and inviting and including them. We also want to include our youth. We included our third graders at the first hour with third grade Bible dedication. And we're getting ready in just a moment to include our youth inquirers. Now, Amy and Kristen do a great job with our kids. Uh, we couldn't do it without all of you volunteering in the nursery, teaching Sunday school. You are passing along your faith. You're sharing your testimony when you do that. So we thank you for that. Amy and Kristen do a great job with our children, and then Calvin and John do a great job with our youth because they're sharing their faith, teaching our youth about discipleship, how they can be disciples, and then even teaching them how they can make disciples. So as our, our sixth graders, our youth inquires class come forward, Calvin's going to share a little bit of it, uh, a little bit. Come on up, uh, Calvin, and all of our youth inquires, and we're going to ask uh, Calvin to share a little, bit of, a little bit about what they've learned 